podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. From the home of the Bet Bites podcast, this is Bet Bites Golf with Dave Tyndall and James Butler. Hello, everybody. Welcome along. It's a golf betting podcast, and we are part two of our look ahead to the majors of 2021. If you've just joined us and you haven't heard part one, we did the Masters and the US PGA in that one. So in sense of kind of time order, have a look back at that one before you join us for part two. If you're back with us for part two, then welcome. And uh, you will know already that we have Ben Coley and Dave Tyndall our golf legendary pundits to take us through the uh, US Open on this one and the Open Championship. Ben, it's good to have you with us again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's good to be on. Hopefully one of the eight golfers I get to select will at least uh, at least make a cut. We'll take that. Well, there's, a, there's a fair chance, isn't there? And uh, Dave Tyndall is uh, back with me as always. And Dave, we're looking ahead to the US Open in uh, June 2021. Bryson DeChambeau was the uh, champion last year after having his strategy and powering it around the course. Um, but we're heading to Torrey Pines this time. The venue of Tiger Woods' famous one-legged win in 2008. How do you see this? Yeah, I think the first thing you might think about, that was Tiger won there in 2008, and Torrey Pines was where he'd won multiple times before then. So, therefore, do you make the, what would reasonably logical link that, okay, if you've done well at Torrey Pines before in the regular um, PGA Tour event held there, the Farmers Insurance, does that translate? And I'm going to surprise maybe a few listeners by saying, absolutely not. It doesn't at all. Tiger <laughs> is a complete outlier, to be honest, if you look at this. He beat Rocco Mediate in a playoff in that tournament. Now, here's Mediate's form in the regular European Tour, sorry, PGA Tour held there. 54th, 57th miscut either side. Afterwards, 48th miscut, miscut withdrawn. Lee Westwood was third there in the US Open, miscut previously before in a regular event 47 Robert Carson he was 68 the only time he ever went back after his fourth place in the US Open DJ Trahan was fourth in that 2008 US Open the four times he played either side miscut 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 Miguel Jimenez sixth in that 2008 US Open previous trip to Torrey Pines miscut miscut and so it goes on Jeff Ogilvy is particularly good um, he was ninth there in 2008 and he thought oh, he probably played that well there before three times before then miscut in all of them afterwards 50th then five miscuts I mean it's almost to the levels where if you've got a disastrous record in the farm's insurance have a bet because it's that I don't obviously the course would play different at the different times of year comparing January and June but that is massive the discrepancy and I was surprised and I thought it's worth pointing out because I think there'll be a lot of people who, who think oh well Tiger he was bound to win there because he always played well there in January but it's not the case you've got to find someone almost who's got done nothing there before maybe going in there the idea of ignorance is bliss if you if you've got preconceptions of how that course plays in january it doesn't help you in june is it a course ben i mean we saw bryson dechambeau win the us open last year and he just overpowered the course didn't he and there's talk about kind of dechambeau proofing major tournaments it didn't kind of work for for bryson in the masters in november but is there a strategy at torrey points you can employ is there somebody that can maybe uh, overpower this one I think it will play very, very similarly to Winged Foot, where he did win his US Open, to be honest. And I think of the market leaders, he's probably the one I'd be most interested in. It's quite rare to defend a major championship at the best of times, let alone your first. But um, it has been done. You know, Brooks Kepka did it. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Bryson did. 
I think Augusta, with regards to Bryson and the wider sort of distance thing, it, it taught us a lesson there. That, and, and most people seem to know this. It's just the people who set up the courses who don't seem to know it. If you want to negate the advantage the bombers have, get rid of all the rough or get rid of most of it. Um, because you, you open it up, you allow CT Pan, if he has a great week with his irons, to compete with Dustin Johnson. So hopefully that message gets through eventually, but I don't think it will at Torrey Pines. These have always been among the hardest to hit fairways around and among the thickest rough. So everybody's playing from the rough. Who's going to do best? The guys who've got the steepest angle of attack who hit the ball hardest. Um, and I think that'll be true again. So that that'll definitely shape my selections. I think we'll get another heavy hitter friendly uh, USO. Well, Ben, I gave you the first selections on the uh, part one. I'm going to give Dave the first selections on part two. So we'll come to you, Mr. Tyndall, for your first pick for the US Open next year. I don't know whether the idea of these was to come up with eight unique names, but I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to throw in a repeat. Go for um, it. I'm going to go for Tyrrell Hatton. So, James, you could just edit out what I said previously. That it fits again, to be honest. World number 10 is 50 to 1. Uh, to win this, which I think is, is too big. Tory Pines is by the coast, which is where he's done really well uh, before. He's won in America already. It's not much beyond that, to be honest. And looking at that leaderboard from 2008, you did get European second and third, uh, Lee Westwood, Robert Carlson, who would have been yeah, bet- the two of the better Europeans back then. So I think there's certainly scope for Hatton to do something similar, to get right up there. He's got some good uh, form in majors already. Tyrrell Hatton, perhaps ahead of schedule, some might say. Uh, when he wasn't the player he is now, he, got, you know, he was fifth and tenth in the USPGAs. I, I just think he, he's, he's someone who could, if he continues on the same kind of form by then, he would have had a chance to maybe post another win in America, another one on the European Tour, and that 50-1 to 1 won't be there anymore. So no rocket science there, just a good price on a very good player. Dave, are there any bookies that offer something like Tyrrell Hatton just to win a major in 2021? Is that a, a potential route in? I'm sure there will be if you shop around, yeah. Because on the basis you've ticked him well, twice already. Yeah, the, well, the, the downside of doing that is he's got this mental block at Augusta National, so his Masters record is horrendous. So you'd, you'd maybe just better splitting your stake amongst the other three. Just looking at the, the top end of the US Open um, prices before I come to Ben for his first pick and kind of reading these out, they're very much the same names at the top end of each of these majors as you'd expect. But Dustin Johnson is the favourite 10 to 1. John Rahm 12s, Rory McIlroy is at 14s. You can get 14s on Justin Thomas. Bryson DeChambeau, the defending champion, 14s. 16s, actually, uh, as big as for Brooks Kupka. And uh, Xander Schaffele is in there around about 16 to 1. Your first pick, Ben Coley. I'm going to go with uh, the biggest price first, as I did in the other episode with the Masters, because I think it's the best value. Um, Cameron Champ. So he's 150 to 1 in a place or a few places. Generally three figures. I think anything three figures is is perfectly acceptable. I mean, primarily, uh, as I said to you, I I think this will be uh, a bit of a bomb and gouge. I don't say that to detract from the people who do it because it's a brilliant skill. I mean, certainly Champ. I mean, he's tall and fairly wiry, but he he hits it as he does because he's an athletic freak. And I I think he could really enjoy this. He he does have, I'm going to say benefit, but I think Dave makes a very good point about the contradiction between Torrey Pines forming the Farmers and in the US Open. Champ played well there at the start of last year you know whether that benefits him or not I wouldn't be certain but he has already contended for a, for a US PGA in his home state of California this is his home state he'll be very very comfortable here and I thought he played brilliantly in, on his Masters debut as well he was one of the leading um, first time visitors back to the top 20 finish without really making any putts which is the problem with him and the thing with Champ he, he's far less consistent than Morikawa, Hovland and Wolf. but if you look into his 
his stats. Basically, if he puts okay, he contends. Unfortunately, his putter is really unreliable. So when it goes, he doesn't. Um, I'll have to just hope that he does put well this week. But I think he could go off much, much shorter. Um, and I think basically uh, he'll have a huge advantage over most of the field in, in being one of the two longest drivers on the PGA Tour. So Cameron Champ, 150 to 1, played well in two of his three majors in 2020. And he's ready for another step up the ladder on home soil. Cameron Champ then goes on to the list. Dave Tindall, the third pick then from uh, you 2 for the US Open next year. I agree with Ben on um, Cameron Champ. And along similar lines, I was going to go for Scotty Sheffield. You can sort of throw those names in when, when you think it's going to be bomb and gouge because both really contended in the USPGA, one by Colin Morikawa in San Francisco at Harding Park. And it is very much the good long driver of the ball. A long and a bit of an understatement and massive drivers of the ball. But I was just a little bit put off by Sheffield's 50 to 1. I absolutely agree. 150 for Champ is good because he can come good but on a particular week. Sheffield's more consistent. Nothing to stop you endorsing uh, Ben's Cameron Champ pick and you going for the same one. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely endorse it. But I thought I may as well give you um, a, a name as well myself. And that's going to be Christian Budweidenhout. Again, it might be a bit of a surprise because he's not particularly on the radar in terms of what we've seen in the standard major cast. He's not really done much. But, I mean, this is a guy who's just ended 2020 in incredible form. Okay, you could say two wins in his native South Africa isn't amazing, but they were co-sanctioned events. Four-stroke winner in the Alfred Dunhill Championship. Five-stroke win in the South African Open. I mean, that. That event for South Africans, so many of the big names have been trying to win it forever and he's gone in there with you know the, the pressure on him as, as the favourite and he's won by five. So he's got this kind of similarly sort of turned off, kind of switched off, kind of cool laid back persona where he doesn't give anything away. He's just in that mould of kind of Ernie Elson, Retief Houston and, and that's kind of what's maybe brought him round ultimately to my thinking here. Those two won both double major, double US Open winners and I think a big part of US Open winner, if you go down the, the kind of attributes, is dealing with the frustration and, and just accepting that bogeys will come along, pass fine. And I thought Bruce who has shown that in his career so far, a cool head under pressure when he's, he's had these expectations in South Africa. His other win on the European tour came at Valderrama, an absolute elite course. He won there with minus 10, which these days, you know, the Masters will win with minus 20. And minus 10 shows you absolutely have to uh, gut that one out. And it's just these prices, 200 to 1, 200 to 1 for a guy who's made rapid strides over the last year, a couple of years. I mean, he's 35th in the world. That's ahead of Tiger Woods, ahead of Bubba Watson, ahead of Sergio Garcia. There's lots of names he's now higher up the world rankings. I, I almost think he's been forgotten about because South Africans are just good at majors. I've, I've mentioned Elf. I've mentioned Retief Goosen, Charles Schwartz, Louis Ustase, and they won majors fairly early in their careers. Um, kind of in the mid-20s, as, as did Elf. He was about 24, I think. Um, we've seen Brandon Grace, who's the lowest ever round in a major. He's played well as well. I've actually seen, seen it through and, and challenged on the west coast of America as well. So I think uh, even though there may be some gaps in the argument for Brazilian Hoop, um, does he smash it quite as far as, as some of the other ones? I, I just think he's got a lot going for him. And at 200 to 1, again, it's that feeling that if he can go to America again. I mean, he went to America this year and tried his luck. and had a few nice results. He was, for example, 22nd at Memorial, a decent Masters debut, 38, so 18th at Bay Hill. So he's gone to America, got that under his belt. And I think 
now he can go into the American majors and, and make a bit of an impact. And at 200 to 1, it's worth chancing. Well, to be honest, Dave, you had me at uh, come out the same mould as Ernie Els and Retief Houston. So Christian Bezuidenhout goes onto the list. 200 to 1, the pick for Dave Tyndall. Ben, finish off our selections for the uh, US Open. I, I was tempted by a couple who've made the staking plan, one for me, one for David Augusta. I think Harris English at 66 to 1 uh, is interesting. And I think Lee Westwood's kind of interesting, 125 to 1. The, the closest he's really come to winning a major was here. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I feel like he'd probably be left behind a little bit off the tee, but he played really well at winged foot. So I can see Westwood playing well, but I'm going to be more realistic and I'm going to go for Matt Wolf. Um, if I'm theorising that this could be very, very similar to, to winged foot, then why not the 54-hole leader? He was outplayed by Bryson in the final round, but you know it was only his second ever major start. It was a remarkable US Open debut. He, his, I mean, I don't, I'm not an expert in swings and what have you, but one of the arguments I found most convincing during the week of winged foot was that him and Bryson are pretty much the steepest um, in terms of their angle of attack. So when it comes to playing out the rough all week, they're at a huge advantage because they can just get it up in the air and, and get it landing softly. So I, I do buy into that. He played well at Torrey Pines at the start of 2020. And the thing for me really is he's played three majors. Yes, he missed the cut at Augusta after quite a good start, but he was fourth in the US PGA and second in the US Open. He could have won both of those. And when you think about some of the players in recent years, at least, who've just shown straight away that they can compete for majors. They've they've kept doing it. It's not been that random. You know, maybe Jonas Blix, who I mentioned on the other podcast, would be the only exception. But you think about guys like Jordan Spieth, Xander Schofley and Tony Finau, although they're yet to win them, they came along and straight away they were competitive in majors. Brooks Kepka really didn't take many. He was a contender a couple of times before he won his four. So these guys who can just play majors, you have to respect them. And at a course where I think they're going to be playing out of the rough all week and needing to hit it a long way, I think 50-1 to 1 Matt Wolf. It makes a lot of sense, and I, I think he's going to keep on improving too. So, yeah, Matt Wolf at 50s uh, was the one for me. Well, we always like picks that make a lot of sense, Ben, and uh, that goes onto the list as well. So, Matthew Wolf at 50 to 1, and uh, Cameron Champ at 150 to 1 are Ben's picks for the US Open. Dave Tyndall is going with Tyrrell Hatton, 50 to 1, and Christian Buzidenhout at 200 to 1. Let's move on, fellas, then to the uh, final of the majors, the Open Championship. We missed it in 2020, and it's back with us. It's at Royal St. George's in Kent. Darren Clark won there in 2011, the last time it was played there. Defending champion Ben, Shane Lowry, um, in the same way that Dustin Johnson isn't going to keep hold of the green jacket for his master, but he's going to keep hold of that forever, isn't he? But you get the point. Um, Shane Lowry's had the claret jug for some time, hasn't he? Yeah, it's um, it's a strange one, isn't it? And the, the major we missed in 2020. I think he's, he's I don't know, it's, it's hard to work out the, the burden, the expectation on him as defending champion come July and, and what levels they'll be at. But he's 80 to 1 in a place. And I have to say, I think that's too big. When you consider he was 66 to 1 when he won at Port Rush, okay, we're not at a course that he knows quite so well at Royal St. George's. But if he gets his game back, Shane Larry, I think what Port Rush told us above all else was that if, if you're playing under purely links conditions, there aren't many better. So I could see him being very, very popular. He's not one of my two picks um, the prices do vary quite wildly with Shane but yeah I'm hoping we get a proper links open I, th- I think of all the four majors we've previewed this would be the one where I'd be least keen to get stuck into one at a fairly short price because so much can go wrong and I'd like to get as good a look at the weather and things like that uh, and who's who's prepared in the right way as I can um, so it'll be big prices from me but yeah it should be a great event and, and one of the things which I'm, I'm sure Dave's cottoned on to is that Americans seem to love it here um, I don't know why I know Darren held the off in uh, the last time we were here but I think there were four Americans in the top six and the, the the renewal before that Ben Curtis won it with a couple of Americans close behind as well so there might be something about it they like it might just be fairly random but that, that was one of the many factors I considered but most 
of all, it'll be great to get an open back in July. Exactly. And uh, I was going to ask you along those lines, Dave, how much of a miss was that in the year 2020 that we didn't have uh, the Open Championship played? Yeah, it, was, it just seemed a very, I mean, I've, I've been to every Open, I think, since 1997. It's just part of my annual pilgrimage to to the events and to not go there. Just one of those real reminders that something has changed straight, you know, that something has gone very wrong. And because we got the other majors as well, we got the other three, it did Mm. did feel even more of an absence of the, of the Open. And, and yeah, it still surprises you when you, you think of Shane Larry being the defending champion. You think, well, that, that was ages ago. It has been put back a year, but I guess that will build the anticipation. And, and yeah, as um, as Ben said, it's certainly something I, I picked up on. Ben, I think he said four in the top six. I actually went a bit further down. Eight of the top 14 were Americans, and that's certainly um, going to um, be part of my reasoning for my two tips. Well, let's have a look at the uh, top end of the market. And uh, for the uh, it's the only major that Rory McIlroy's favourite for. He's 12-1 to 1 to uh, win the Open Championship. Dustin Johnson is in there at 14. You've got John Rahm available at 14s as well. Brooks Kepka is at 16s. Justin Thomas is 20s. Bryson DeChambeau, 22. And the rest bigger. Dave Tyndall, your first selection for the Open Championship. As I said, eight of the top 14 at Royal St. George's were American give you the names Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson they were still good back then they were joint runners up you had Chad Campbell who's from Texas very windy in Texas made sense Anthony Kim I always remember Anthony Kim I don't know whether it was at. I think it must have been at Burkdale in 2008 he was obviously a very good player at the time Ryder Cup player and he, he came there and said it was something along the lines of it's like playing golf on Mars I don't know what's going on he, he sounded completely befuddled and yet he came seventh and it just goes to show there's this idea that God knows why it persists that the Americans will come over to, to our Lynx land and be found out because we know all the, uh, the little secrets and all the, the clever plays and, and their one-dimensional hitting just won't work. And it, it's just confounded time and time again. So for my first pick, even though I've mentioned him before, actually, I said Scotty Scheffler was too short at 50s for the US Open. Well, he's three times that price here, 150 to 1. And to be honest, I don't see any difference. Maybe even he'll have more chance here because he'll have less pressure on him. He'll have that thing the Americans just absolutely love coming over to, to play. OK, it's not quite Scotland the home of golf, but you know, the British Isles it is the home of golf in American eyes. And I just think it, it spurs them on. And, and he's someone who has taken to the majors like a duck to water, to be honest. Um, he's He played... Um, a couple last year, uh, sorry, this year, 19th at the at the Masters, fourth at the PGA. I think he might have had a piece of the final round lead at one point. He was low amateur in the 2017 US Open. So he's just, he's just quickly bedded down as someone who can really cut the mustard in these big events, hits it a long way. He's from Texas as well, so he, he's used to playing in the wind. I just got a feeling that he'll come to the Open Championship and absolutely fall in love with it. In the 150s, to me, that is a very backable price when he's 50s for Torrey Pines. And I don't really see much. much I think he's got a, d- a good chance in both. Scotty Scheffler then goes onto the list. 150 to 1 for him to win the Open Championship. Ben Coley, your first pick. Yeah, my first pick is Danny Willett at 100 to 1. There's a slight apprehension or reluctance to tip Danny Willett because... I think of all the players uh, you would consider somewhat realistic open winners at this stage, he'd be the one who you'd be least confident of pinning down his price. He could go off 250 to one. He could go off 40 to one. Um, it will depend on how he plays, and he's not been very consistent for a good while now. So there, there are slight reservations there, but 
he's placed ultimately he's placed in two of the last six opens you know he, he's certainly a very good links golfer he actually won the English Amateur Championship here at Royal St George's uh, how much of a factor that will be I, I wouldn't like to say but more than anything there were some good signs towards the end of the season um, he played well for three of the four rounds in the first tournament in Dubai and in the second one pretty much the same maybe two and a half of the four rounds there and it was interesting in the Sky Sports coverage they said they've been speaking to Robert Rock and he loves what Danny Willett's doing with the swing at the minute and I, again it's anecdotal I, I don't know what it really means in the long term but it could be a, a thing we can cling to into the next year we know he's a, a major champion already so um, there are no question marks there and as I said if in any way he's reignited by a return to Royal St George's in a major where he's placed twice in the last six years I think he's a really interesting runner I just caveat it by saying you know if, he, if he's as inconsistent as he has been you might not beat the market with this one but I'm happy to take 100 to 1 because if he does find some consistency he could go off half that 100 to 1 then Danny Willett goes on to the list Dave Tyndall I'm going to stick on an American theme and again as Ben said there's so much that can change between now and, and July and you know we could be saying that a week before with the weather it could just flip and you find yourself the wrong side of the draw and Someone who um, who doesn't appeal might come into your thinking. Someone who does might you think oh, they've got it up against them. So it, it makes me want to look at the big prices again. Someone Ben touched on. I'll quickly some of these that, that I won't put up, but for the listener, I certainly wouldn't put you off them. I think Matthew Wolf is another who could just turn up. He's eighty to one, good enough to to absolutely hit the ground running in terms of open performances. Daniel Berger at one hundred is another one. We've seen him in some great form. Obviously, Florida got the the windy uh, conditions that he's played well in, in in before. He's not got a brilliant open record. I think he's got a best of 27. So he's had a couple of goes and that might help him. But the one I thought, again, very speculative, but 175 to 1, Kevin Kistner. A big part of that, obviously, he's finished runner-up um, in an open before. So he's been there and proven he can do that, Kevin Kistner a couple of years ago and obviously as well we've seen him post a another a very near miss he, he lost to, to Robert Streb in the RSM Classic another tournament by the sea so it's it's just his ground really it's just his the, the place where he should do well he was 7th in the 2017 PGA Championship as well uh, 12th there the year after it's a bit spotty his major record but he's you know he's got a 21 21st at Augusta which is a, a course much too long for him I think the US Open, he will find too hard in the current climate where, you know, you're looking for the bombers. He's too short for that. He sort of makes cuts, but not really done much else. Maybe the US PGA again. But I think that the one that you've still got a bit more of a chance on is the Open Championship. And as he's come tied second there before, every time he plays an Open, he'll have that in his head. Plenty of experience. It's just certain courses he will feel more of a leveller for him. So a bit of win, that's fine. He, he plays a good low ball game. And I just thought 175 to 1. Again, who knows what price he might be at the time. But if he's had a win or a really good season on the European Tour, he could be near 100s maybe. So again, speculative, but 175, Kevin Kistner. Goes onto the list. So there's just one space left then for our major tournament previews for 2021. And the man that's going to fill it, Ben Coley, your second pick for the Open Championship. So you're going to be underwhelming given that introduction. I really wanted to get an American into the staking plan for all the reasons we've discussed. I did think Patrick Reed at 50 to 1 was possibly the one. Um, his best open effort yet was when he was 10th at Portrush um, in 2019. He's played well in four of his last five Opens to some degree and obviously he ended uh, 2020 battling out for the race to Dubai so I think he'd be interesting Xander Schofle is another one who's shown he can handle it but I'd rather leave those more realistic winners to to nearer the time and I'm going to throw in Ryan Palmer at 300 to 1 again familiar with what Dave's been saying you know 
we're talking about a guy who's from Texas here who's always been a good win player. He's got a sneaky good open record. He made his debut in 2011. He played four opens in that uh, in the next six years and he made the cut in all four. That in itself speaks to a, a comfort level that not everyone has. He did miss the cut at Portrush but he wasn't playing very well at the time and the interesting thing for me is just how well he's been playing lately. Like he's up to, where is he, 30th in the world. That's not far off his career best uh, of 23rd. Uh, last time we saw him was fourth in the Zozo Championship. Well, the top three there were Patrick Cantlay, Justin Thomas, and John Rahm. He was second to John Rahm in the Memorial. He was eighth behind DJ at the Northern Trust. This is a player who's just found his best golf late in his career or or something approaching it. It gets him into the majors for next year. He's 300 to one. Uh, he's played plenty of good golf by the coast and in the wind. He'll, he'll have no problem with conditions. So he's not going to win the Open. I think I'd feel fairly sure of that. But he's got certain parallels with someone like Chad Campbell, who's played well here in the past. And at 300, to one, you get 60 to one effectively for a top six finish. The way he's playing right now, I mean, his world ranking, you know, he's around guys who are 30, 40, 50 to one for this. You know, either side of him, you've got Harris English and Scotty Scheffler who are actually both quite big prices themselves, but it shows you the company he deserves to be in despite his age. And if there's any major where age is not a barrier, then it is this one. Darren Clark showed that at this very course and perhaps Ryan Palmer can do something similar, if not quite so spectacular as that. I always like big numbers on this uh, this podcast and you've saved the biggest to last. Ryan Palmer goes on the list 300 to 1. So uh, just to review, if you've come to this one, if you ignored my message at the start of this part two and you started with part two, well, you'll have to listen to part one to hear the uh, previews for the Masters and the US PGA. But the tips for the US Open, we've got uh, Dave Tindall's on Tyrrell Hatton at 50 to 1 and uh, Christian Wiesendenhout at 200 to 1 and uh, Ben Coley, Cameron Champ at 150 to 1. And uh, Matthew Wolfe is in there at 50s. Then the Open Championship, Dave Tyndall is with Scotty Scheffler at 150 to 1 and Kevin Kistner at 175 to 1. And uh, for Ben, it's Danny Willett at 100 to 1 and Ryan Palmer is 300 to 1. That brings to an end our year 2020. It's been a pretty strange one, hasn't it? COVID and everything else. But we've had some golf, we've had some sport. So thank you to everybody out there that's made that possible in this uh, coronavirus environment. And uh, well, first of all, thank you very much to Dave Tyndall, who has been my buddy on this podcast for, for much of this year since we've launched it. And Dave, we've done OK, haven't we? We've had uh, profits. I mean, you worked it out. You've done all the, the hard work on this one, but a profit of plus 71.6 points for the year. It's kind of shown that the remit and the uh, modus operandi of uh, waiting until late on a Wednesday to give you the chance to soak up all the information, it, it seems to be working. Yeah, we're, we're complete opposite ends of the scale, aren't we, by doing this anti-post preview <laughs> when our kind of raison d'etre is to be there with the latest information on a Wednesday. But yeah, it was an idea I had. There's obviously this scramble for everyone to, to get their thoughts down on a Monday and this panic that prices might go. But you know, hey, if you just wait a little while, you might pick up something that could help you nearer the time. And that was the case uh, with one of our winners when I wasn't particularly looking at Bryson DeChambeau. He was kind of on the radar for everybody, but he, he hadn't turned my head in particular. But I read his press conference at Wingfoot and it just sounded like the guy had worked something out. I know, I know he likes to have a strategy on everything, but this totally made sense. I thought, you know what, 25 to 1, if he's hitting it that far and, and everyone's going to be playing out of the rough, this could be something. And he obviously did us a favour at 25s. You put up Morikara at 33s. We had DJ at, in the USPGA, that was. DJ won at 20s we had um, Webb Simpson one at 30s so yeah we had Anna Lahiri didn't we 150s at the Corrales Punta Cana so this idea of waiting for the latest information paid off nicely and maybe we can get Ben on on a, on a future one that would be good wouldn't it 
Well, I was going to say I was actually going to ditch you because I've quite enjoyed having Ben on this one. So uh, Ben's going to be back on every week in uh, 2021. Thank you very much for Dave Tyndall for all of his efforts. Now, of course we're not. Of course we're not going to ditch the Tyndall. But Ben, it has been a joy actually having you on this one at the end of this year. It's been really good to have you on. Hopefully you've enjoyed it and hopefully a lot of the uh, punters out there have maybe picked up some winning prices from you. Well, hopefully, yeah. No, always a pleasure. Look, I'll, I'll embarrass him, but I wouldn't be doing... I wouldn't be a golf expert if it wasn't for Dave. So to talk golf with Dave is an opportunity I don't usually turn down. Um, unfortunately for you both, I'm very impatient usually. So um, a Wednesday podcast to, to get your bets on for Thursday. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> I, it made me really, really stressed over Monday and Tuesday. But I, I think it's a really good, uh, a really good place you've found for yourselves. Because like Dave says, on a Monday, it is, it is a bit of a race. So um, hopefully I'll manage to win it enough times in 2021 to, to keep my end of the bargain up. But uh, I'll certainly be listening to you guys chat on a Wednesday too. Well, thank you for joining us, Ben. Thanks, Dave. As always and a happy Christmas and a happy new year to both of you and to all of you out there for listening as well hopefully you've picked up some winning bets as we've gone through this year courtesy of Dave Tyndall most of them I have steered him in the right direction every now and again um, but it's been a pleasure to bring you the golf betting podcast happy new year to all of you and hopefully it's a better new year than it's been this year and we'll see some fantastic golf in 2021 gamble responsibly and we'll see you next time this is a sports betting media production please gamble responsibly Visit BeGambleAware.org for all the information. Follow us at BetBytes on Twitter. And don't forget, we release a brand new multi-sport BetBytes podcast every Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network.